particular queen in England comes to mind, um, called them uh, Calvin's ditties and uh, didn't think they'd ever last. If they had known that we'd have a, uh, an organ playing um, uh, with, uh, with a bass um, trombone, they really would have been shocked. Thank you, Ross and, and, uh, and Gay for, uh, for kicking us off this morning and, uh, and leading us in worship. Um, and uh, I've got a little extra challenge this morning from BJ, so uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll go. Um, Jackie, can I, can I get my, my <laughs> no, sorry about that. I, you know what, with everything going on this morning, I never said I have a, <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. Um, yeah, we are, we are still working on the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and we're actually going to get there this morning. Um, next week, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we're actually going to get into the, the prayer next week. This week, um, uh, Matthew chapter 6, and, um, and the context that Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer. Um, because Jesus is, is, um, is delivering this um, in the Sermon on the Mount. And the, the part on prayer begins this way. In, in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, um, do not be, uh, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. And in the NIV, that's in quotes, and it should be. Um, you'll, you'll see why. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. It's going to include in the Sermon on the Mount, giving alms, prayer, and fasting. Don't do that before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven, which is how the Lord's Prayer begins. Um, Father, this morning, we, we, would, uh, we would know how you would like us to approach you in prayer. And thank you for this incredible invitation. In, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. The uh, traditional site of the Sermon on the Mount is just uphill from the gates of Jesus' center, his, his base for his mission in the Galilee, um, Capernaum. And if you stand at the gates of Capernaum, like the picture behind me, and look up the hill, you can see the Church of the Beatitudes, the traditional site of the Sermon on the Mount. The Church of the Beatitudes is a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, it is high on the pilgrimage list for, uh, for, for many, many groups, particularly Roman Catholic groups. Um, the last time I was there, I knew we were in pilgrimage season. And so I got, we got to the gates of the Church of the Beatitudes a little bit early. We were the first car. And uh, we're about 10 minutes outside of uh, Tiberias, where, where everybody stays at the Sea of Galilee. And by the time we got in, got parked, and looked back, there were 24 tour buses behind us, filled with pilgrims, all coming to the uh, Church of the Beatitudes. So uh, just, if, you're, if you want to visit this place, um, you kind of know what you're doing, or you're going to be in just a, a crowd of people. Because something really important happened here, right? This is the traditional site of the, uh, of, of the Sermon on the Mount, where, where Jesus really begins to lay out some the, the ethics of the kingdom. And, um, and I think it's just a, it's a spectacular place. It's beautiful. I wish I had brought more pictures. You, if, if you're standing on that portico, you turn around and the Sea of Galilee is right there. I mean, it, it is one of the, the beautiful spots in, uh, in all of the, uh, the, the north of Israel. Um, and uh, at that place is where Jesus gathered crowd and disciples to, around him to pray, um, uh, to teach him how to pray. And, and this is the text in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. 
If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in synagogues and on streets to be honored by men. For I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not your, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. And uh, th this familiar prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And, and some of the older translations um, include a verse that's a little bit um, uh, questionable. Uh, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Um, Jesus, to the crowds and disciples, the text says, on the mountain, um, Matthew's center of the Sermon on the Mount and the Spirit's words for the, uh, the church in Anacortes this morning. Um, Matthew is an interesting, interesting gospel. It is written, it, it's the most Jewish of the gospels, and when you read it, it becomes obvious that Matthew is connecting Jesus to the Old Testament. It begins with a series of fulfillments. Um, and Matthew itself is divided into five major sections, where the Sermon on the Mount is the center of the first section, um, that correspond to the five books of Moses. So Jesus is the new Moses, who's going to come and bring God's law. So Moses came out of Egypt. Jesus came out of Egypt. Moses brought God's law from the mountain. Jesus brings God's law from the mountain. So this, Moses is intentional about, I mean, excuse me, Matthew is intentional about this. He wants us to know that this is something very, very important as, uh, as Jesus brings us the, um, the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, um, and the Sermon on the Mount is really the center of the first section of, uh, of Matthew's, uh, Matthew's Gospel. And if we, if we focus in a little bit more, we, we see that what Jesus is doing here, what, what Matthew is doing and in, in, uh, in using Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, is, is announcing the kingdom. This is the arrival of the kingdom. And every new kingdom needs a new ethic, a, a new currency. Um, so Clint, this is kind of the answer to the question last week about how do you actually spend grace? How, how does grace become the currency? The Sermon on the Mount is how you do that. The Beatitudes. Um, a new ethic for the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Who would, what kind of a weird kingdom ethic is that? Um, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I say to you, as BJR reflected, don't even hate, moving from the head to the heart issues of the, of the law. And then in the very center, the, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer um, as, we, uh, as we go on. And, um, and I'm just thinking, as I think Sermon on the Mount, these things pop up into my mind. Number one, 
Um, Jesus is announcing the arrival of the kingdom. Jesus is revealing a new ethics of the kingdom. Jesus is building on three pillars that everybody in the first century knew. Almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Just like today, everybody, well, a lot of people can mention the five pillars of Islam, right? I mean, people used to know, what are the five pillars of Islam? They are the profession, they are the pilgrimage, their prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. Imagine that. It's almost the same. Um, and uh, um, so everybody knew that Jesus is building around the, the pillars of Jewish piety and saying they mean so much more than you ever imagined. And that's kind of what BJ was reflecting this morning. Um, the Sermon on the Mount moves from the external, don't murder, to the internal, don't hate. From the external, don't lust, to the internal, don't even look. From the external, don't take an oath to the internal, be truthful people, right? That's what the Sermon on the Mount does. Um, and, uh, and the Sermon on the Mount has us consider who is the audience for what we do. Um, and it's going to keep, and the Sermon on the Mount brings us back again and again to God being the audience. Remember, don't do your acts of righteousness before men. You'll get your reward that way. But do your acts of righteousness in secret, so then you'll get your reward from the Father in heaven. And, um, and, and so, we're, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus introduces the ethics of the king, the, the ethics of this new, announces the kingdom and introduces the ethics. Um, and he comes in the middle to the Lord's Prayer. And, and uh, why in the middle of the announcing the kingdom, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, in the middle of the three pillars is prayer um and uh and this is the second half of the question we tried to answer last week um uh why is prayer and there it is it's, it's in front of you with a, what bj just read why is prayer the most important part of the thankfulness god requires of us last week we approached it from the catechism's um perspective um beginning in in um in romans um, this week from matthew's perspective um, just like the catechism reflects the um, outline of Romans, starts with sin, then goes to salvation, and the last 10 chapters are all about service and how we respond, the catechism begins with our, uh, our guilt, very, very short part of the catechism. Then the majority of the catechism is on grace, how we are saved. That's, the, that's faith. Faith is the knowledge that everything God says in his word is true and the full assurance that it's true about me. Question and answer 20 and 21, my favorite part. Um, and then the third part of the catechism is how then do you live? And if you're reading the catechism through, you find out that the first part of how you live is 10 commandments. And then at the, at the very, at the, at the end, when we're at kind of the high point of the, of the, of the catechism, this statement, just like when you're at the high point of the Sermon on the Mount, when you pray, this. Um, and, and that's where this statement fits. Why do Christians need to pray? Because as we look at our misery and our salvation and our sanctification, um, and by the way, this has one of the, uh, we're, we're going to see some really good definitions of some of these, some of these words this, uh, as we go through the catechism. Um, as, as we think about the Christian life, sin, salvation, service, however you want to divide up the, the, uh, the catechism, um, prayer becomes the center. And uh, the catechism begins this final part. 
because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us, and because God gives his grace and the Holy Spirit to those who groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking him for them. Um, the uh, the, the uh, importance of prayer. Um, uh, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, um, my house and on Zoom, we're going to dig in a little bit more to this part of the, the catechism and talk about the Lord's Prayer, but uh, um, we'll, uh, we'll, catch up, we'll catch up then. Okay, so in this, in this teaching, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, he isn't answering any questions. Um, he's simply saying, um, this is how the kingdom works. The kingdom works because blessed are the poor in spirit. The kingdom works because the law changes the heart, not just affects the head. The kingdom works because um, uh, the Lord rewards those who do these acts of righteousness in secret. This is how the kingdom works. Um, a little bit later on in Jesus' ministry, Jesus get, gets asked by the disciples, well, now, now tell us again how the kingdom works. One day, while Jesus was, um, was, uh, was praying, in a certain place, Luke 11 says, the disciples came to him. Um, and uh, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples how to pray. Teach us to pray. They understood that if they were going to live in the center of, of the, uh, the, the, the kingdom, new ethics, new heart, um, they were going to have to learn how to pray. So Jesus said to you, and I'm reading from Luke 11 now, which is at the end of Luke's gospel. Matthew chapter 6 is the beginning of Matthew's gospel, Jesus' first major sermon. Luke 11 is really towards the end of Jesus' ministry. And they ask a question about how do we get going in this kingdom? And the thing Jesus says is, pray. They say, teach us. This is what he says. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Uh, this is a little bit short. It doesn't have all the parts of it. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. Lead us not into temptation. A pattern for prayer that ever since this moment, um, people who follow Jesus have made, have made a, this their, uh, their, their pattern of praying. Um, beginning with a... Um, a, 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 a Okay, I wasn't going to go forward on my, uh, on my overhead, but I think I'm going to. Um, um, beginning with, and, and a challenge is to take these long Latin words that, that preachers like and, and give it a word you can grab onto and remember. Um, adoration, a father who is in heaven. Consecration, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Supplication, give us this day our daily bread. Intercession, forgive us our sins as we are forgiving those who sin against us. And protection, lead us not into temptation deliver us from evil. This has become a pattern for Christians to pray. Um, and we're going to be talking about this for the next eight weeks, how this pattern is really a wonderful way to pray and what each of these, what each of these means. Um, but he didn't just leave it there. In this, this time when Jesus talks about the Lord's Prayer with his disciples, he gives them a pattern, and then he tells one of the most interesting parables in, um, in all of the Gospels. Then he said to them, Luke 11, verse 5. Suppose one of you has a friend. Now, the, the um, pronouns get a little bit weird in here. So you've got to keep the people straight. 
Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight. So one of you is going to a friend at midnight, not the friend is going to somebody else. Okay, just so he goes to him. One of you goes to a friend at midnight. Um, friend, lead me, lead, <laughs> lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside, the friend, answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are in bed and I can't, are with me in bed and I can't give up, get up to give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is the friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, the idea here is that this would be a very ordinary experience in the ancient world where um, without refrigeration and not everybody having a large baking um, uh, system in their homes, there would be one house in every community that would take care of most of the baking. So if you needed a, a loaf of bread and you didn't have any to offer at that moment, everybody knew where to go um, to, uh, to get bread. And this, I mean, this was this way all the way through the Middle Ages um, in, um, in, uh, in Europe and in, the, uh, and in the Middle East. You go and you get, you get bread. And because of his boldness coming in the middle of the night and expecting um, to, be, uh, to, to get what he needs, the man says, okay, um, I'll give you your bread. I'll give you as much as you need. So Jesus said, continues, so I ask you. And this again is one of the passages BJ already turned our attention to this morning. And um, you'll see that Jesus, that here Jesus uses some of the same text out of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus said, so Jesus says to them, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. A door to those of us desperate for bread will be opened. Asking the one who can supply what we need when we need to serve somebody else. Asking, seeking, going to the one place in town we know bread is going to be. See how ask and seek and knock work? We want that the door is going to be open so that I get what I need. And I'm asking so that I can serve somebody else. And I'm seeking the one place in town where the bread is. Ask, seek, knock. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. How do I know that's true? How do I know that the experience of a first century um, village dweller who needs bread is going to be my experience today? How do I know that? Jesus goes on. Which of you fathers, lowercase f in the, in the text properly, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? The answer is none. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? The answer is none. If you then, though you are evil, this might rankle BJ too. Um, if you then, though you are evil, know how much to give, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What did we start with in the Heidelberg Catechism? That prayer is the most important part of our thankfulness. It's at the center of our sanctification. Sanctification won't happen without it, and. It is how God works to bring the Holy Spirit to us. Ask, seek, knock isn't just the act of a desperate person. It's the discipline of the one who knows God has something special for me. Um, 
the Holy Spirit um, to those who ask. Um, Luke chapter 11. Um, what is it about prayer, and this prayer in particular, that are, are so important? Um, one, as the seeker in that first century village found out, the one who needed bread, prayer is the discipline of those who are dependent on God. That's how we ended last week in question and answer 115. No one can obey the Ten Commandments perfectly, so why do we talk about them? One, so that we may know our sinfulness and more eagerly look to Jesus for our forgiveness and for our righteousness. And number two, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna stay there for just a second. Um, prayer is, there are other, I, I had the discipline at one point. I think prayer is a discipline of dependence. Um, if you want to know how you can understand more and more Jesus' righteousness, if you want to understand more and more my need, if you want to understand more and more why I can't keep the Ten Commandments and why Jesus still loves me, um, uh, try prayer. Um, it, it, it's, it's the discipline of those who, um, I think last week we somebody said humility. Um, it's, it's the discipline of those who know that there is someone in this first century village who can give bread, that there's somebody in my life who can supply the Holy Spirit when I need him. Um, it's a discipline of prayer. But the, the catechism goes on and says, second, so that while praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit, we may never stop striving to be renewed more and more in God's image. I, I said we were going to come into, we were going to come up with some um, really good definitions as you read the, the uh, uh, catechism. At the end of the section on sanctification, we come up with the definition of sanctification. Renewed more and more after God's image. Um, until after this life, we reach our goal. Um, not until heaven are we, uh, are, are we made perfect. Um, if prayer begins as a discipline of being dependent on Jesus for my righteousness, it continues as the, as the way in which the Holy Spirit works. And I don't know why this is. I don't know how this is. But I do know that both the, the uh, testimony of Scripture and the testimony of the church for the last 2,000 years is that um, the Holy Spirit works when God's people pray. Um, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, um, we're going to dig into this a, a little bit more. Um, and third, um, pr prayer does something else. Um, both the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and the Lord's Prayer in Luke's Gospel at the end of Jesus' ministry end with this statement. Um, again, BJ, he already pointed, it to, pointed us to it um, uh, today, this morning. Um, I'm going to flip back and read it out of, out of Matthew's Gospel. Um, this is the text that closes out Jesus' teaching on the, um, the three pillars of Jewish piety. Almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And, and I, hope you, I hope you've already noticed that Jesus says, when you give, and when you pray, and when. Did, did you notice that? 
not if, but when. Did, did anybody catch that little? Okay. Um, the grammar's the same. Grammar's the same in the Greek, by the way. Just, just so, just so you know. Um, it ends this way: Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where thieves don't break in, where bank closures don't cause devaluations in the dollar. I once was sitting in in church. And in, in 2008, and some guy I'd never met before walked into church and said, I just lost six figures. What do I do? Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Um, store up for your treasures in heaven. Um, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, that, that prayer is a discipline of dependence. Prayer is the way the Holy Spirit is going to work. And, uh, and prayer is an investment um, in, in my spiritual life. And I can't find any place else where um, investment is, where, where uh, there's such a beautiful picture of investment in, in Scripture. Um, store up treasures in heaven. Prayer is the center of it. Um, and uh, and Jesus continues in the Sermon on the Mount to say, um, the eye is the light of the, the eye is the, the light of the body. Um, and, uh, and you can't serve God and mammon. Um, if you want to sharpen your discernment tools to know which is an appropriate investment and which isn't, there is one discipline you engage in. And it's not the Wall Street Journal at this point. It is prayer. Um, Let's do that. Father, thank you this morning for the, uh, the opportunity to, to see Jesus one more time. Give us this, this incredible pattern for prayer and invite us into this, uh, this investment in heaven. And Father, I would ask that, that you really would give us um, that light for our bodies to, uh, to discern where, um, where we should be investing. And Father, I'm, I'm just going to ask that as we pray this summer, that you'll make that more and more clear. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think if you, um, if you ask what is somebody's favorite song about prayer, um, this hymn comes up time and time again. Would you please uh, stand with me if you're able? What a friend we have in Jesus.